Welcome to the Clone Saga Chronicles uh, 2.0 feed for, from SpideyDude.com. If you're listening to one of these older episodes, you'll hear references to our Podomatic website and a voicemail number, which is now defunct. So if you're a new listener who just found this uh, podcast, pay no mind to the links that we give out, like CloneSagaChronicles.Podomatic.com or a voicemail number. Enjoy this classic episode of Clone Saga Chronicles. Welcome back, Clone Heads. I am Zach Joyner. This is the Mega Extravaganza Part 1 of Maximum Clonage. Joining me is a guy that was sick when we actually recorded the episode, but we had to have his, we had to have his lovely, lovely Florida tones on this show. Bertoni, how are you doing? A whole lot healthier. I mean, man, that car and virus, it's a, it's a killer. <laughs> right. Um, I, I was degenerating all over the bed and everything. Um, uh, degenerating is never good for the ladies. Okay, to kind of give you a little bit of, of why this is taking so long to get out, uh, when we recorded this, Bertoni was sick. So Bertoni was, like, on his deathbed at that, at that time. So we, we recorded it with the guys that are doing the episode, as I'll introduce here in a few minutes. Bertoni is unfortunately not going to be there, but he will record what we call Part B, quote-unquote. Side B. Side B. Yeah, Side B of, of this, uh, which will be... Pretty much part three of, of the clones of the maximum clonage. So, so clone some side. of you old people, you remember when you went to the record store and you know there'd be the B side of the record. So yeah, exactly. Half half the panel missed it, and they all wanted to get their two cents in on this. So uh, the B side, which will be this, will be a trilogy of episodes because that'll be technically the B side will be part three because this was an episode so big it split in two. <laughs> Yeah, we had to Brad Douglas this episode, so to speak, where we had to politically cut it in half. Big, big episode because we talk a lot, a lot of things. But a couple of things we wanted to do, and I, I probably mentioned this in the episode, that we're not doing emails and we're not doing voicemails. Uh, we're going to do the emails. We only have two. That's clonesuckerchronicles at gmail.com. So the email aspect, we're going we're to handle it right here. The, and then on the uh, part two, we'll handle voicemails and any iTunes reviews we might get. So we have two emails from Steve J. Rogers. And... Steve is a long-time listener of the show. He's left us a couple of voicemails and stuff like that. Steve uh, gives us some constructive criticism, guys. He says, Mega Dittos, guys. Ever notice how often, how often when people criticize things, they preface it with, love the show, but... I just thought I'd offer up some constructive criticism in the way you guys do the feedback segments. In fact, there's a feedback segment that there is. There are some things that I'm not too fond of. Keep in mind, if you've not listened to the previous episodes, your first episode, uh, this goes back to to uh, what we talked about in the last episode. So you might want to go back and, and listen to that because it'll make a lot more sense. He says, number one, the iTunes reviews. I know it's one thing to respond to a negative reviews comment, but it seems a bit egotistical to read out every review, especially in the last episode where one of them actually was a question for the panel. I don't really think that Apple intended their podcasting feedback thing to be that sort of vehicle where a review of a show turns into a question for the show. Um, in response to that, fair enough. I didn't. I wasn't expecting the uh, guy to leave a question, but hey, we welcome any, any and all iTunes reviews. You know, that way well, people kind of know more, know and understand more of the show. I don't think it's egotistical. I think that it's messed up if we only respond to the bad reviews and criticism, and then when people give us compliments, we don't read it. You know, yeah. we we make a point of reading everything and it's good and bad and responding to criticism we're a small enough show right now where we're not getting thousands of letters a day where we can respond to everybody and 
Um, I think that listeners like that. It makes things more interactive. And if you don't like it, you know, uh, no offense, Steve, but there is a fast forward button. <laughs> yeah, this is this isn't you know actual live talk radio where you don't have the fast forward button. You can you can skip that stuff, and and we'll you know we'll try to keep it contained. Last episode we handled a lot of those a lot of that stuff all at once because we had a ton of stuff come in. You know, we may not do it every episode from now on. You know, we may we we may wait a couple episodes to do it. And then kind of handle it, especially if it's a light month. But the problem has been that we haven't really had a quote-unquote light month. So, you know, there's a point where he makes here. He says, I do agree with your sentiments on the, on the last two-star review guy about the non-existent political rants. But on the other hand, I would find it hard to believe that the guy even listened to your response. I pulled my craptacular podcast <laughs> before I could play around with the iTunes page for it. I don't know if the owner of a podcast can go in and respond to the reviews on the site, but I think there would be a better way to let the person know your feelings of the review. The, um, the guy, to, to, for you newbies, the, the guy basically wrote a, a review criticizing the show after I, made a, I apparently made a backhand comment about our president. Uh, and then he deleted all the – apparently he stopped the recording – Deleted all the episodes instantly and stormed off in a, in a, in a fit of rage. Um, I have seen that guy post on other sites. Uh, you know, if I ever see him, you know, I think he actually posted the crawl space. I might email the guy and say, "Hey, you know, I hate that you don't listen to the show. I do encourage you to try to, you know, try to listen to it. But if you don't like it, fine. That's not your cup of tea." But you know, the guy, I just completely disagree with the guy. So it, it really, it really did. It, or point, major point he makes is that the old man Glenn Beck. Calls. This is in reference to the voicemails. He says, and I think you need a bit. You guys need to nip this in the bud. Yeah, it's a good interjection of humor into the podcast. And it was funny the first time you guys got had the not wrong number calls. But come on, I'm listening to hear discussion about the comics, not wasting time hearing bits. Yes, I know. If you quote unquote don't like it, fast forward. Yeah, that's but, uh, what I said. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still in a half hour into episode of the trial into the episode of the trial of Peter Parker Part Two, the Great Debate, and you're still reading out Facebook comments. And there's still an hour and 22 minutes left on the show. I'm not saying it should be as tight as the other shows, but there's and, or that it, there isn't a place for tangential humor bits, like Star Wars pants on an episode of Amazing Spider-Man Classics, for example. It's more of saying that the bits should be more more organic in nature and not someone trying to hijack the show with some funny voicemail material. Anyway, enough about that. I'll offer a question so I don't seem hypocritical going off on things that aren't related to the topic. Not bringing them up and not bringing some to the table. Where do you rank? He, he asks. Where do you rank the Clone Saga up against major comic book events that were going around on around the same time, the early 1990s to the mid 1990s? Stuff like the whole Nightfall Saga, including Prodigal and Nocturne, Death and Return of Superman, etc., etc. And what other books were you guys picking up at the same time as the Spidey titles? Well, you're more of the Nightfall DC expert. Tony, I'll, right. I'll kind of let you answer this question. A little well, bit. I, I will address something before we answer his question. Uh, I love Glenn Beck guy, <laughs> and it's not like we spend forty minutes on him. You know, he he. And I got bad news for you, Steve. Uh, when we play voicemails next episode, the guy left another voicemail. So <laughs> it, it, uh, it's it's two minutes of your time. He's hilarious. I'm I'm sorry, but I mean, and, you know, he calls. And what, and what we might do instead of doing the reviews at the end of the show. We'll do the reviews at the top. Format is not rigid. We can play with the format a little bit. You know, if we want to do the reviews first and then get to the get to the funny stuff afterward, especially after some of the crap that we've got coming down the pike, um, 
like the Scarlet Spider titles. Um, <laughs> I know we keep referencing those, and, and people are going to be really scared to listen to that episode. But uh, you made it through maximum clonage. Yeah, we made it through maximum clonage. It's you know it's okay. We'll be okay. Um, it depends on how you're ranking these events in terms of overall success and worldwide recognition and press and sales. Maybe Death of Superman because that was the one that like you know was on the cover of stuff like Newsweek and people were wearing the armbands. People weren't wearing armbands for Clone Saga or for Batman. And <laughs> I mean, there was a set. There was Saturday Night Live skits. This this thing was all over the place. And now we have that uh, Doomsday DVD, which like they 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 freaking cut out like you know sixty percent of the story on that thing. But yeah, that they uh, that's what I've heard. So I mean, it's really in terms of recognition, maybe that in terms of quality, I mean, uh, I can't really say that Clone Saga wins with quality after Maximum Clonage, but there was some good stuff in there in terms of quality, like all the way through from beginning to end. Maybe I would say Nightfall. It's been a while since I've revisited Nightfall from start to finish because they had Night Quest and Night's End, and a lot of things were happening with you know. Uh, Nightfall. That was when Robin got his own solo series, and that was when they actually had Dick Grayson come back to the Bat titles because he had been exclusively with the Titans for a while, you know, and like he would not make Batman appearances. But I mean, I guess the easy answer is Death of Superman. Yeah, I mean, Death of Superman was 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 a pop culture phenomenon. Yeah, Clone Saga wasn't. It's controversial. Death of Superman was controversial. Had the Clone Saga been happening at the same time, I think it would have been a completely different story. The problem is, is Spider-Man wasn't the – if the Clone Saga happened today, in today's environment, it would be as big as Death of Superman. Superman was still a big pop, pop culture phenomenon. Batman was huge. Um, Marvel was – you know, this is the time when James Cameron was writing the Spider-Man movie, and that and it got stuck in development hell. Spider-Man wasn't at the level of prestige that he is now. You see what I'm saying? Whereas the level of prestige that Spider-Man's on now is about the same as Superman and Batman were in the '90s, if not more than back then. But comparatively, I think it was just of a big, big event. And and I didn't. I still have my dad bought this. The uh, sealed set with um, with all the de- Death and Return of Superman books, the cards, the posters, it's all bagged. It's worth like 30 bucks now, 10 bucks when he bought it. So, hey, he's got a you know, 200% profit <laughs> since he bought it. But still, I mean, it's, it's not quite like uh, Spider-Man number one with Tom McFarlane where it sold a million and a half copies. Yeah, and then you know, and you could buy it for a pen in the fifty cent bin now. Thank you, Steve, for your uh, for that for that question. He does have another email, and it's Clone Saga versus Brand New Day is the headline. He says Mega Dittos again, guys. Well, Super Mega Anniversary Dittos for Spider dot com. He just tells me to pay the bills on a regular basis. <laughs> uh, love the discussion, although ironically, as it turns out, based on the iTunes you re- iTunes you read, I'd say personal politics actually did cause part of the heated debate, and that's the last I'll say on that part of the issue. I guess he's referring to Gerard leaving, because that was when Gerard decided to throw his headset down and leave, and he does return in this episode, by the way. Spoilers. In, in, um, a, in, a, in a big way. In a big way. Wait a second. Uh, wait a second. Who wrote this email? Steve J. Rogers. Whoa, hold on. 
Did, weren't you telling us that we spend too much time covering emails on the show and you gave us two emails to cover? Yeah, back to back, of, of course. Yeah, you, you're, you're, like the, you're like a personal trainer who, says, who, who, who complains that we're too fat while you're shoving donuts down our throat. Okay, his, his email says – he said, I will add a few points. First, it is probably hard to judge one more day, brand new day, against the Clone Saga because we are still in the midst of it seemingly with no end in sight with the whole – omit mess that supposedly will answer all the questions and well most likely as, as he's writing this on July 10th cause even more of a mess which brings me to my next point about why Brand New Day might actually be worse in terms of controversial comic book events yes Josh despite throwing uh, the throwing of a pregnant wife across a room by the hero uh, of the story at least the clone saga started where there was a plan and an end game vision that end game of course got all muddled up, but there was a plan in mind of where the story was going to go. Brand New Day clearly is the result of modern comic book creators and even heads of company being, well, as the Joker of the Dark Knight put it, the dog chasing the, the car. He wouldn't know what to do with it if he ever caught it. They had, they had the idea of doing something, but no real focus on what to do after the pulling the trigger on what they did. Oh, sure, sometimes they're planned out things, but we generally now generally know there are, those are because only one or two guys are running the story, like Bendis with the Avengers, Avengers saga since disassembled, Morrison with the Bruce Wayne saga, Ed Bruderbaker with Captain America, Jeff Johns with the Hal Jordan saga, and so on. And despite the webhead and brain trust, whatever they're calling themselves now, it's pretty clear ASM's problems these days stem from too many people working on the title. That was their first mistake. They took their lucky break and broke it in two. And it, that it's more of a rudderless ship than the Clone Saga ever was. And yes, that is with the knowledge that Norman had to be brought back in to fix the story because it had gone so far off the rails. Though I'll agree to, to date, a deal with the devil aside, throwing the, the, the throwing of pregnant MJ across the room does trump anything Peter has done in Brand New Day stories. And the Steve. fact that in the next issue, uh, he joined the Jackal. like Not like, yeah. oh, the Jackal's a good guy, I'm going to join him. No, he joined, he joined the bad side. Something that I forgot to mention in my debate. But in terms of like saying, Brant, you can't compare him because Clone Saga wasn't planned and Brand New Day was... Uh, see, okay, the, 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 the original bad... plan, they, they took 26 issues and stretched it out 26 months. Because if you take the six issue or the six month scenario that's been bantied about, it would have been, um, you know, twenty four issues plus two quarterly titles. Uh, that's about twenty six issues. The end game, really, the only end game was they're going to restore Peter Parker to Spider Man. They didn't know how they were going to get there. And let's face it, uh, Marvel's marketing department screwed it all up. Um, Tony, continue on with what you were going to say. I don't know. I cut you off. I'm sorry. Well, no, it's okay. It's I mean, his defense is like, well, one was planned, the other wasn't. You know, saying that something was planned or something wasn't planned isn't an excuse for saying that or worse. Stan Lee had no plan when he was doing all of these stories in the early 60s. There's lots of cases where people like had no plans going forward and turn into the best stories ever. So saying, well, you can't compare Brand New Day with Clone Saga because one was planned poorly and one had plans change and the other didn't. No, that's that's not going to fly with me. It's the execution, not the planning. Yeah. Uh, but now, yeah, but now, now we're turning into the last episode, so. <laughs> yeah, like I say, it, it does go back down to it's it's the execution more than the. Than the, the actual stories themselves. I think um, 
they are going in the right direction with the recently announced that Dan Slott's taking over in November. I think that's a step in the right direction. You're getting one clear vision instead of getting uh, – it's like – Steve, you'll understand this analogy. It's like the old saying, if you have two quarterbacks on your team, you'll, you have no quarterbacks on your team. Meaning if you've got two different guys playing quarterback in football, you really have no quarterback because there's no one leader. There's, no, there's too many guys trying to play one position. And you can't have 15 different riders and expect consistency. God bless Wacker for keeping the trains on time, but there's no consistency. And there's, I mean, there's inconsistencies with the clone saga. We've pointed this out. I mean, Bertoni's been one that's been pointing it out a lot, is that there are little, little clever inconsistencies. So very much a, a – We'll we'll pick we'll probably pick that debate up when we towards the end of the show or whatever, and have a fun little episode because uh, the quote unquote brand new day era is going to end pretty soon. So anyway, <laughs> yep, quote, quote unquote. Um, all right, that's the last of the emails. Or Tony, um, oh, I do have to make one announcement. This is a big announcement. It's a very important announcement. I'm going to post this up on Spidey.com later in the week. The Colin episode has been. Moved. I'm moving the Colin episode to the Scarlet Spider era because the Colin episode is going to, um, number one, I've been having a really hard time trying to get a weekend day off at work. And things are extremely, we're extremely shorthanded, things like that. So we're shorthanded. I'm trying to get a weekend day off. As soon as I find out, I will post it up on Spider.com and uh, get it to you guys because I know you guys have been really trying to really itching and chopping the bit to call in and, and have your comments. Until then, you can leave us voicemails. 206-339-5570 is the phone number to leave voicemails and, and uh, with pithy comments about the show or completely complete randomness. So, uh, anyway. For Tony. Wow, you actually, uh, you actually remembered it. It's uh, surprising. I know, right? Uh, I didn't screw that up this time. <laughs> All right, and yeah, this was a this so was a this was one. yeah this was a fun show to edit. You know, I hope uh, I still edit it, even though I was sick. This uh, I hope you guys enjoy. I want to thank Bernie. Walter from BTB Presents podcast uh, for stepping in, uh, recording, and getting the files to us safe and sound. Yes, sir. We sincerely hope you do enjoy the uh, the Maximum Clone Part One, Part Two, and Part Three. It's going to be a uh, pretty exciting, pretty exciting episode. Lots of fun. And now going to myself. <laughs> He's also on another podcast, dude. He is? You're on the three of them? Clone uh, Saga which one did you say? Oh, Clone Saga Chronicles. You're on that one, too. Oh, nobody you? listens to that. Whoa! I don't think I even want to hear your story. All of you must hear the Scarlet Spider story. My name is Ben Riley. I'm related to this reality's Peter Parker. How? I'm his clone. Or maybe he's my clone. We're not sure. I'm the real Spider-Man. I don't know what kind of mind game this is, but I'm the real Spider-Man. The real Peter Parker. You see? Clones. I thought I was that clone. I tried to stay out of Peter's life by taking on a new identity. Dyed my hair, changed my name to Ben Riley. 
When I became a costume hero, the Scarlet Spider it really made him angry. But the next big blow came from Dr. Kurt Connors. He discovered that, according to our genetic structures, it might be Peter who was the clone, not me. That news pushed Peter Parker over the edge. Now he hated me with a passion. This is starting to sound like a bad comic book plot. It gets worse. Why didn't you just tell me I was a clone? The cloning process has proven unstable. Welcome back, Cloneheads, to the another exciting edition of the Clone Saga Chronicles podcast. This particular episode will uh, cover maximum clonage, the uh, most controversial storyline of the Clone Saga. One thing I do want to point out, uh, there's noticeably absent about half of our panel. Um, <laughs> we've got Bertoni's sick the day we're recording. Brandon's on a plane somewhere. And Jason, unfortunately, didn't have internet access where he was at. So he can't connect to Skype. So joining me is a th- two of our normal panelists and a new panelist coming in <laughs> specifically for this episode. First panelist is Gerard Delatour the second. How's it going? And you know what, Zach? You know, I understand you want to do it all PC and say that Bertoni is sick and that Jason doesn't have internet access, but tell the truth, okay? After the little blow-up we had in the last <laughs> episode, I went over to their respective homes. I beat the crap out of them for, for having to dare disagree with me or kick me off of the call, and then I took their place. <laughs> so <clears throat> we won't have to worry about those Episode. I thought we were going to talk about that. <laughs> I thought that was like behind the scenes stuff, dude. And the <laughs> other disembodied, the disintroduced voice is uh, Donovan Morgan Grant. Welcome back, sir. Uh, I'm just smiling and you know trying to stay out of Gerard's way, like you know, yeah, yeah, I'm with Gerard, and I'm like sweating and like inching towards the door. Well, well, you came to the light side at the end of the episode as I listened to it. You eventually <laughs> did, changed your mind, like the flip flopping uh, namby pamby sissy that you are. Um, yeah, the sissy that I am, exactly. <laughs> okay, well, you've got the uh, – uh, if you want to, like, see some of this, these guys' works, Gerard's an artist. You can go to uh, spider2002.dvnr.com. Yeah, that's right, which has actually kind of been blowing up lately. I don't know what – I've started drawing a lot of DC heroines, and for some reason, those get way more hits than Spider-Man. I wonder why. <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, Cheesecake gets more – yeah, more hits. So you can check that out uh, over there. And Donovan Morgan Grant has two podcasts that he hosts. Podcast. Oh, I co-host, yeah. Yeah, he, that you co-host. You've got Spectacular Web's podcast with Thomas Mattis and uh, The Amazing Spider-Man Classics. With oh, yes. John M. Wilson and a guy named Bertoni. Okay, this next guy that I'm going to introduce. How many different podcasts do you do, Walter? Uh, six. Six different podcasts. <laughs> um, Five are mine and one's somebody else's, so I, I just get around. Yeah, <laughs> you can uh, look him up on iTunes via uh, the shitlittlepodcast.com. <laughs> or uh, how about uh, uh, BTP BTP presents? Yes. Yeah, BTP presents. Get that on iTunes and get like a daily dose of podcasting. Although he's on hiatus right now, he's he's broadcasting yeah. live from his new home in Texas, which is the same home as mine. Yeehaw. Deep in the heart of Texas. And so. let me just say thank you, Zach, for bringing me on to Spider-Man Clone Saga. Where? This is called. 
<laughs> for this wonderful episode. You do realize that, that, that like half the words you're saying right now are beeped, right? Oh. Oh. For the family. Well, why should it be any yes. different when I read My Immortal? But, uh, but I appreciate you bringing me on to this wonderful episode of Maximum Clonage, which made me drop the book. <laughs> As soon as I read the first uh, first issue, I was like, "Ah, I'm done." <laughs> oh, you thought it was the worst one? <laughs> yeah, no, that, that wasn't even the worst one. This, uh, this is one of those things where this is one of those issues where it's a whole lot of fail, a whole lot of fail. Um, almost, I think it's more than last episode. I still believe it's 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 more fail than last episode. Before we get to the issues, let's do some news. <laughs> There is a clone-related character that's been running around in Amazing Spider-Man for the past um, couple of issues. His name is Kane. He uh, made he was he was ended up being I thought he was going to be a cameo character in Grim Hunt. He ended up being a huge character in Grim Hunt. Gerard, well, you need to cut you off and say right now, spoilers if you're not reading Amazing Spider-Man, because you know there might be somebody on here who's not like who doesn't. Or who hasn't read up with the issues yet? That are oh, nothing important happens. We don't need to. Yeah, nothing. Nothing important really happens at Grim Hunt. It's just a pivotal moment in the current storyline of Spider-Man. But hey, <laughs> um, if you want to see some reviews on Grim Hunt, go to SpiderManCrawlSpace.com and see some guy named Gerard Delatour, the second, who writes a better review than the comic books that were written. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank. Oh, Epic book – did we talk about epic book number four? I don't think so. I think it's been on – it's been solicited on Amazon. It's not been solicited yet in the uh, – on the Marvel solicitations, but I, I, I see it floating around on Amazon. So you might be able to pre-order that actually uh, if you go over to Amazon.com. Um, what's on the cover? Well, what's the image? Have you, did they show that? It's not, still not giving me an image yet, so I, I don't figure it's going to give us an image until the – Next uh, month or something. Yeah, talking about the Colin episode because people have been asking when's the Colin episode. We're going that'll be announced at the end of the show. Bertoni and I are going to record a small segment uh, making that announcement. So when the show is released, it's going to sound all nice and together. <laughs> <laughs> so you got Grim Hunt going on. You got the Epic Book Number Four coming out. I I would think if it re- keeps this three month schedule, November maybe just in time for Christmas. So be on the lookout for that. We'll, we'll once we get more concrete stuff, we'll announce it on SpideyDude.com. Last episode that we're going to mention New Warriors sixty one um, and Jackal Files. Okay, New, New Warriors sixty one was basically a giant cameo because at this time New Warriors had become part of the Spider Man group because this is at the time where Scarlet Spider had not quite become a new warrior yet but it's getting there <laughs> so um, they quote unquote crossover they do make an appearance in Maximum Clonage Alpha but it's not essential to read the full story the Jackal Files is basically hey this is our giant jumping on point when we're wrapping all the story up <laughs> so basically it, it goes through through the voice of the Jackal and he gives these profiles and uh, kind of gives his version of events. Uh, a couple of random characters were in there that weren't even related to the Clone Saga, but check that out. It's a, it's a one-shot. It's kind of fun. I really didn't like the artwork in that, by the way. If yeah, got... it, if you're going to do a pinup book, at least get decent artists to do the pinup. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it kind of defeats its own purpose. We're yeah. going to get really crappy fill-in type guys. Yeah, this was this was 
Yeah, that was nonsense. It was edited by Glenn Greenberg and Tom Brevoort. Um, so that's Brevoort? kind of – yeah, Brevoort was in direct involvement on this, on, on that particular book. What we're going to do is I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, background information on the Maximum Clonage, the name, and then we'll start review. We'll do the rundowns of the issues, and then we'll give our grades and stuff like that. So um, kind of give you a little bit of background. This is supposed to be where – Everything came to a head. Glenn Greenberg refers – talks about um, Maximum Clonage, the name. Maximum Clonage was the apex of the clone saga. It was like more like the nadir. Just like yeah, yeah. Maximum Carnage came to be known in the, around the Marvel offices in somewhat hushed tones as Maximum Garbage, this magnum opus Maximum Clonage would, be, would come to be known as Maximum Bonage. <laughs> Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like the title of a porno. <laughs> All right. A bad Spider-Man porno. <laughs> um, he also talks about, like, this is during, I talked about the, um, I've talked about this several times on the show, but I do want to kind of talk about it again. The Marvel structure, this is Glenn Greenberg. When the Marvel editorial structure was reorganized during the Marvelution, a.k.a. the Marvel-cution, the first downsizing, the new Warriors were integrated into the Spider-Man group. Tom Brevoort and I were editing the Warriors at that point. We brought uh, the writer and... Penciler at the time on the, as the creative team. Maximum Clonage was the opportunity, first opportunity since this new structure had been created to really bring the new warriors in the Spider-Man universe and have them part take part in a major Marvel event. I think we were all excited about it because it was a really good opportunity to bring addition, some attention to the new warriors book and our new writer and artist. It wasn't going to be a perfect fit because when you stop and think about it, New Warriors had really no business of being part of the Clone Saga. But we were determined to make it work as best we possibly could. And I think overall. They, that they succeeded. We talked about this uh, last month, or not, well, two episodes ago, technically. Todd DeZango was coming on as uh, writer of Web of Spider-Man uh, around this same time. He replaced uh, Kavanaugh, who, uh, uh, because Terry and editor Eric Fine had been having creative differences for quite a while, got to the point where Eric felt it was necessary to bring in a different writer. So and Todd had been doing it on and off. So Eric Fine gave him the chance to be the regular writer of Web, and Bielinski okayed it, and Todd jumped right in. Poor Todd. Do we do we know any of the any specifics of the creative differences that they that um uh, does not mention, it does not mention it in Life of Riley. So the creative differences are probably something along the lines of. Uh, uh, Kavanaugh submitted something. They're like, "This is garbage. Go back and rewrite that." And he's like, "Oh, I'm not dealing with this." Anymore. All right, you know what? Now I'm just now I'm just slandering the guy. <laughs> you know who know who knows? I mean, uh, very 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 hit and miss was Terry Kavanaugh, and um, mostly well, missed. He had hits. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if you listen to if, those of you that have listened to this show for the past 14, 13, or 14 episodes, um, you know that there really wasn't. <laughs> there, there wasn't. On, on off chance that Terry, Terry Gavinoff is actually listening to this podcast, he was a fun writer. I mean, it, a lot of his stuff wasn't great. Hey, you know but, what? Without Terry Gavinoff, we would be having this podcast, so we do thank him for that. Exactly. Gee, and thank it was you. Fun, even if it wasn't great. <laughs> Walters is going to sit back there in the back of the room with his feet up on the table, just make snarky comments all the time. <laughs> hey, <laughs> the moment, I guess uh, this is what uh, Glenn Greenberg also talks about. The scene that's going to be mentioned in part part four 
Is that where all the hundreds of clones show up? Oh God. Yeah. Uh, the clones show up in part at the end of part three. Okay, in the, the end of part three and all through part four, five, and six. Okay. Um, <laughs> the scene, I guess, was in the back of Aaron Bryce's mind when they decided to call story maximum clonage, but it didn't mean that they actually had to do it. Uh, Glenn Greenberg actually hated the idea of having hundreds of Spider-Man clones running around. Why? I wonder why. Uh, <laughs> as far as he's concerned, this was exactly the kind of silliest that they should they should have been trying to get away from. Uh, they all groaned when the title was first proposed, and now we're going to do more stuff in the story that only served to reflect that dopey title even more. Stuff like that, in his opinion, was the epitome of everything that had been wrong in the past uh, with Spider-Man over the past few years. Shameless sensationalism, milking a successful idea to death, overkill reaching ludicrous proportions. I don't remember having too much enthusiasm for Maximum Clones once it headed in this direction. Uh, he really thought it was going to be about bringing things to a close in a new beginning instead of open the clone ante even more. Oops. That's what happens when you let the uh, inmates run the asylum. Anyway. Sounds familiar um, for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll, there's going to be some more Glenn Greenberg comments that I'm going to talk about quoting from uh, Life of Riley, which you can find at lifeofreillyarchives.blogspot.com. Uh, we'll mention that when we get towards the end of the show. So, okay, we're going to start with Maximum Clonage Omega. Yes, folks. Almost. An extra two parts of the story that shouldn't have been. But uh, we start off in literally, this is what it's called Springville, Pennsylvania. Population 2601. And following. Quoting <laughs> <laughs> the book. All right. 2,600 people die in an instant, and there's only two people left in this entire town. One guy looks like, well, Peter Parker. The other guy looks like a freakishly bad version of the Joker, also known as the Jackal, trench coat and all. The artwork of this particular issue is done by Ron Lim, who uh, you may actually be hearing his voice pretty soon, as he actually uh, did a promo for us at San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, Tom DeFalco did the plot, and DeZango did the scripting for this book. And they tried not to laugh through the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, there actually was one survivor of this whole thing, and uh, this guy has got you know a shaved head with like the part down the side. He, he looks like he's passed out. Uh, so there's actually three survivors. We cue to Peter Parker being mopey and lonely as uh, he's sitting with some very um, – angry-looking gargoyles in the rain. He's recalling the past the events of the past, though, I don't know, three years of Marvel time, <laughs> starting from the 30th anniversary issue where his parents came alive, and then, oh, wait, they were revealed to be robots. Aunt May falls into a stroke. He gets he bores himself up in a cocoon like a little, like a little wuss. <laughs> he, he meets Ben Riley. Ben Riley starts adventuring out as Scarlet Spider. The Jackal returns. Dr. Octopus saves his life. Mary Jane reveals that she's pregnant. Kane starts, starts stalking people. Aunt May dies. Peter's arrested. Uh, a third the, a third Peter Parker is running around and becomes freak face. Kane tries to kill Ben, who's posing as Peter. They run tests. Peter's the clone. That's literally the, the entire montage. So we get this montage of scenes, and eventually we've got Scarlet Spider running around in the rain, 
chasing his pasts, reflect being extremely reflective, and he decides to punch a wall, which sends debris, and so he has to catch the debris. And needless to say, he's really upset. We cue, we cut to the end of Mary Jane, who's been pouring, who's got a lot on her mind considering the fact that her husband just smacked the crap out of her. <laughs> Literally <laughs> smacked the crap out of her. A lot on her mind. <laughs> that's a lot on your mind. I mean, you're, you have an abusive husband that's suddenly turned psychotic. Ben shows up and thinks it's Peter, and Mary Jane flips the hell out. Ben calms her down, says, hey, I'm trying to – I just want to get a shot at the jackal. Let me find Peter. I can explain because, hey, I've been through this before because I thought I was a clone for the past five years. Needless to say, we go back to Springfield. Third Peter – we'll call him Tri-Peter for right now uh, – and the jackal are hanging around in a little you know, van driving around. The new warriors show up and make their um, random cameo appearance, but as I explained – it's all part of the design. The uh, we we cut back to Ben to Ben and Mary Jane talking, and a postcard was sent here to Ben Riley from Springfield, Pennsylvania. That makes absolutely no sense at all, but hey, it's there. We then go to Kane, another Mary of our Mary tale. Um, he sees Mary Jane's mysterious killer, and he busts out of these high-capacity shackles, so to speak, then runs off, and he runs off into the night. Tri-Peter now uh, has a brand-new costume that he acquired in the Jackal Files, which is the only reason that the entire book was semi-important. He gets a brand-new costume, and, well... Should we describe it? It's basically an inverted version of the... Peter Parker costume with some accents. And by accents, you mean giant clunky boots and gloves, right? Cause yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, and he has a mouth, yeah, like Venom. He, he, yeah, from the from the head up, he looks like Venom in his first appearance. So the new warriors show up, and for no reason, again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's he's going to Springfield, Pennsylvania, on the back of a semi truck. <laughs> And he uh, happens to get there right at the same time as this guy, the guy with the shaved head and the mullet-type crap 90s. Um, yeah, 90s. Changed his skin to where it's like armor. <laughs> so he's the only survivor of the Springville disaster. Uh, and <laughs> then the new warrior's spot. Scarlet Spider, and they're like, oh, look, it's the other Scarlet Spider guy that's trying to steal, steal the some stupid isotope from Gen, Tech. So let's get him! Don't you love Speedball? Yeah. <laughs> and then it has, it has a wonderful little box that says, New Warrior 61, again. Because I guess it was mentioned earlier in the issue. Um, Mary Jane goes out for a walk to clear her head. Peter happens to get there right as she's left. He grabs some cash that was stocked away for an emergency, and he's like, no, 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 the baby's going to need everything, and MJ's going to need everything. So uh, he pulls out his Spider-Man costume. He's like, this is mine. I earned it. I may be a clone or, and not the original Peter Parker, but I am Spider-Man. And a big giant splash page. Cue back to the fight over in, I want to call it Sunnydale. 
but it's not. It's Springville, <laughs> Pennsylvania. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> the New Warriors are having the gratuitous fight with Scarlet Spider. The and then also, of course, uh, <laughs> the guy with the armor stuff and Spider Side meet up and they start their fight. Peter goes to the Empire State Building, reflects on the time that um, uh, they that uh, him and Aunt May had in Amazing 400, and we see a cameo of the Punisher. That's right, Punisher makes an appearance, which is kind of poetic. <laughs> Meanwhile, back to the uh, back to the fight in, in Springville, uh, Ben and the New Warriors are like, "Ooh, team up." Because they've resolved their differences, quote unquote, and <laughs> fighting Spider Side. I'm just waiting for Archie and Jughead to show up soon. I know, right? Yes. Uh, and then we first get the uh, quote "freak face" used. Uh, it's a direct reference to the during the Mark of Cain arc, where the third Peter Parker was contorting his face because he went crazy. And then, of course, on the very next page, we get a new name. Spider side. That's right. Spider side. It's an homicide and spider mashed together in a fun little pun. Sounds like a girly drink. <laughs> yeah. Me- meanwhile, uh, Peter is still reflecting on his time with Aunt May uh, at the Empire State Building, and then he's like, "Excuse me, what?" The jackal's like, "Do you have a penny? Because there's something I wanted to." To try from up here ever since I was a kid. Then of course Peter, you know he's still on full rage, rage mode from last month. So um, he's about to like knock. He ends up like beating the crap out of out of the jackal. Finally, the, except for the fact that jackal catches his punch and then smacks him because the jackal is twice as strong as Peter Parker. That makes a whole lot of sense. Okay, and then we, you know. Get this start of the, of the fight, and we click, went, go back to Springville, where the battle has finished up. And then we have this like random panel, which I think it's Spider Side. Um, yeah, uh, he's flying the helicopter back with the body of the dude that apparently survived the disaster. Back to the Jackal Spiderman fight, we get uh, <laughs> we get Jackal being manipulative as as usual, and finally. He uh, offers him a choice. Uh, you could, you know, act like nothing, or you could become something and join the Jackal, working together side by side, bringing the no, world no, no, together. No, no. We're bringing the world together through gen- genetic perfection, through cloning. It would give your life purpose, and it's where you belong. Besides, what else have you got? Peter Parker, thanks. Nothing. I am nothing. I have nothing. Nothing to live for. And they shake hands. And that's how Matt and Clonage Alpha ends the 64-page special. Complete with full grand covers. Fail. Fail. <laughs> okay. Walter, you go first. God, this thing sucks. <laughs> it just blows chunks. <laughs> We have Emo Peter, we have new warriors that were, at the time, most annoying things in the world. 
I hate it to be a ball. <laughs> oh, people, oh, people, people like New Warriors. It's, it's a finally remembered. He was a Steve Ditko creation, Speedball, apparently. Yeah, Steve yeah. Speedball was recreated by Steve Ditko. Yeah. Well, was that, it was an ASM manual or something, right? Yes, it is. It's the last time Steve, Steve Ditko did anything for Spider-Man. <laughs> and in terms of relationship to Spider-Man. Give us this annoying little character called Speedball, which I really wish one day would have bounced off a building. Oh, wait, but he became emo too, didn't he? What? Yeah, I believe he did. He became emo anyway, so. Yeah. Oh, he became super emo after Civil War. Yeah. Now he's he's a petition. (laughs) Yeah. So now then we have Mary Jane being just as emo as Peter. And this is pretty much at the point where I just said, screw it, I'm done. I just can't deal with this. This is what made you this is what made you drown out the books. Yeah, for until about two thousand. <laughs> just not nice. Good job. <laughs> I just couldn't. Five years. Oh, so, so you got pulled back in by the classic reboot and said I picked that up and just went, oh, oh, nothing's changed. I'm going back to my other comics. <laughs> yeah. You go from what Bert- about that reboot made you think, oh, this is going to be way better than the Clone Saga? Let me get, let me jump back in. John Byrne. Uh, uh, you were yeah. all, yeah, I think. yeah. But that you were, he, he pulled the wool over your eyes, didn't he? <laughs> they, they, they tried to do way too much. That's the problem with this very first issue. They. Well, it was 64 pages, so, I mean, it was a double-sized issue. Yeah, but they, it's just one of those things where it, it, you reached a point where you were sick of clones, you were sick of Peter being, I'm a clone, yeah. I suck, I'm a clone. Well, I, it, it, when, I think when they first were approaching this story, because I, you know, I kind of said, talked about this with Glenn Greenberg's comments, he... I know they wanted you know, to he, wrap things up, but... They were wanting to wrap things up, but what happened was, was the marketing department's like, "No, this is the only thing that's selling. Keep it going, keep going. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. We don't have more story. Keep going." Yeah, it turned out to be we such can't a write this out anymore. wonderful idea. Yeah. Then we have Spider Side, and I think the marketing department was the one that created the name Maximum Ownage. Like, Damn them! Yeah, I know, right? Maximum like, blame them. <laughs> What would be a cool name? Maximum Clonage. God, that sounds lame. Yeah. And then they actually had to do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're only through one particular book, but uh, Gerard, what's your thoughts? Oh, boy. I, you know, this, this is going to sound really strange. This is probably the one of the issues that I liked the most. Now, that doesn't mean that I thought it was good, because I, I really didn't, but, <laughs> I mean, of, of the ones we're going to do this 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 episode, this is going to get the highest grade out of me. I'm giving this one a C plus, and here's why. Okay, yeah. first of all, I thought the art was actually pretty good. Like, I, I've always been kind of a fan of Ron Lim, more so like now than you know back then. But because I always thought the way he drew faces was kind of kind of a little strange. But then but, you saw but Chris Machado's art on Spider Man, and you're like, oh man, this is like. <laughs> I wish Ron Lim was was here. Um, <laughs> and having, having a single inker actually helped because you know a lot because he was doing the uh, Spider-Man Unlimited and they usually had multiple inkers and stuff. Yeah, but the, he did the special and with one inker he did it with Al Milgram only and it had a very consistent look to it. I like that a lot. Um, it, I know you kind you kind of made fun of it a little bit, but I actually thought you know 
even though it was kind of a waste of space for somebody like people like us that were actually have read through the whole thing, it, this probably has one of the best recaps of the Clone Saga I've seen. Oh yeah, it, it, it recapped the Clone Saga perfectly up to that point. We're pretty much cutting out all of the really crappy, you know, nonsensical stuff. It basically like boiled it down. It, it was he even mentioned? I don't even remember. It, it no. like boiled, it like boiled it down to like a really basic plot outline over a span of I don't even remember. It was five six pages. Yeah, that's actually it, you could chop that up and just show somebody that if you wanted to explain what the Clone Saga was mm-hmm. up to it, this point, it, it, basically, it, it did a really good job of hitting all the high points. I will I, I will I know commit really, that. I know it's a really strange thing to say that oh it's, it's a very great recap, but. but they don't do that kind of stuff in comics anymore, so it was actually really good to see. Um, I, I like that random one-panel appearance by the Punisher, but not because it was good, because it was so unintentionally hilarious that I started laughing when I saw it. <laughs> Some kids walking by an alleyway with a radio, <laughs> and then they just zoom in, and the Punisher is just standing there, and he doesn't say anything. He's just standing there. <laughs> it's like, hey, look. The Punisher. What's he gonna there's do? No, there's, no, there's, no, there's no like even like editorial or caption box acknowledging him. It's just a picture of the Punisher. It's like hey, <laughs> it's like hey, let's get more sales. Hey, I'm just on my way to the Daredevil comic. Don't mind me. I'm just passing through. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on my way. My name is Frank Castle. This is my war journal. So uh, some punk kids were running in the alley the other day, and well, I had to scope them out, make sure they weren't doing drugs or something worse. Oh no! I'm in, I'm in maximum clonage. Get me the hell out of here! <laughs> hey, hey, look, Why Jackal! Was he, <laughs> Why was he just standing there? Of all the places to be, he's just standing in a random alley. Was he live in the alleys? I, I, who knows, dude? He, I think he was just inserted because 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 um, the Zango was writing Web of Spider-Man. Remember. At that time, so the next issue, it kind of it ties directly into the next issue. It was kind of like, oh, tease. Yeah. And given yeah. the fact that, that the Punisher's first appearance was directly related to the Jackal, kind of made sense to bring him in. But it's kind of like, hey, let's throw everything but the kitchen sink at the entire story. Okay, speaking of part two. <laughs> no, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm still, I'm still talking. What are, what, are you, what are you doing? I'm sorry. Yeah. You want me to come to your house and beat the crap out of you, too? <laughs> you, did you not learn from the intro? As far as cons go, man, they, all those, instead of Ben, now Peter's doing that whole, I'm a clone, I'm not really a man. He, he started doing it. <laughs> and that that really drove me nuts. And then Spider Side. Oh, Spider Side. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Spider, whoever thought of this name needs to be taken out and hit with a frying pan upside you the know, face. I, it's slightly better than Freak Face. I no, guess. I, I, I think Tom DeFalco was like really big proponent of like let's do it as Freak Face. That's why they referenced it. <laughs> it's just, and he turns into water, and he's like, oh, uh, it's the head flying around with a water trail oh, behind it. The head thing makes it better. Oh God! What what was that? I don't know, dude. It was it was a full it's a full load of fail. Was what that and, was? And really, just in general, the scene cuts are kind of kind of crappy in the story. But it kind of does it kind of does explain how he was able to survive at like a nuclear level explosion that happened. In, it was <laughs> a car. <laughs> Came through a car and then there was like a nuclear explosion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
But but you know, all in all, I didn't think it was that bad. Just because I was actually amused by so much of it, and yeah. thought the art was pretty good. So yeah, the, yeah. Art, the art is actually one of the one of the high points of this story. I, I do agree. Donovan, what do you think? I thought the art was okay. I mean, um, it wasn't bad, but there are times where, like, I think Ron Lim is an interesting artist to look at. Not, he's not great, but he's not bad. It's just interesting. T- to see, like, his Peter Parker, I like how he draws, I like the, that kind of, like, old-school, flat-top, curly-haired Peter Parker, mm-hmm. but he, I agree with Gerard in that, he draws his face, like, way too, like, strained or whatever. You, um, you, know, what, you know what happened? Lim would always draw, because this is something I actually, like, I, actually, I was like, why does this look so strange to me? I actually tried to figure it out. What happens is he draws the level of the eyes too high. Because, you know, it generally when you're an artist... In the middle of the face, right, right. You know, you're told to go right and just draw a line in the middle of the head, and then that's the eye line. He draws exactly. it like three quarters of the way to the top. That That's that's completely wrong. And, and he's a and he's quote-unquote professional. That's great. And then, of course, um, you, you have the super long nose. Doesn't help matters. Oh, yeah, that's true. What's well, one of those things where artists give every single character cheek, cheekbones and, like, you know, it's really strong-looking necks to make them look young. But uh, I mean, anyway, I thought, I, thought, I thought the art was okay. Not not great, but not terrible. The story, I hated how this was written. I really, I really like, I hated it. It doesn't help that the jackal is in, has this ugly mug in every single one of these issues for like ninety nine percent of the time, talking in his annoying, sarcastic voice. But just, I don't like how. I know that I know they're trying to garner sales and make this interesting to read and everything, but they're just like you have one scene where Scar Spider is like, "You robbed me five years of my life!" and punching a wall, and then like a couple of scenes later, he's the, he's like hopping through branches, like, uh, "I'm trying to get to the page." He's like, uh, "Time to get the high road, or at least the high branches." And I'm like, "This doesn't change the situation. There's no reason to be happy. There's no reason to be bouncing around like a fool. Like, it's just it just." undercuts the, the drama that they're trying to sell you on. And I know we keep on going back to like, oh, you know, it was something else so they had to keep on rolling. So it's not it's not the writer's fault 100%, but it does not make for an interesting comic. The new yeah. warriors are a joke because half these people's costumes, like, <laughs> with, the, with the Scarlet Witch last Wolverine thing, and the guy named Justice, it, it reminds me of like the extreme G.I. Joe cartoon that no one saw in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I remember that. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. What, what else oh, is there hell. to say? I mean, oh, I think my biggest problem with this, um, and it's a little, well, I mean, I, I recently read a couple of days ago uh, the Brain of Superman story, and I got to the part where, uh, spoilers, they, they nuke uh, Coast City and all those people die. And and this one, it's not as big because obviously like, like 2,000 some odd people die, but it's like an afterthought. <laughs> right. It's like, hey, we killed off two thousand people in one in like the space of four pages, but uh, or five pages. I'm sorry, but uh, no, I'm sorry. The first six pages they kill off two thousand people. We're like, oh yeah, two thousand people died. Ha ha. We're going to go investigate because we're the new warriors because we couldn't send the Avengers after this <laughs> because it wouldn't make any sense. Like this would be a national epic. Like the entire, if, if not the entire world, would be like, like what is going on here? But no, it's like. Like it is, and it burns me in the, in, the, in, the, in the very last issue where Spider-Man and Dan Ryder are like all joking around. I'm like, two thousand people are still dead. I don't know. If, I don't know what that makes. Yeah, I love how this plot point was picked up. <laughs> it was like, like was not picked up the entire rest of the story. 
It's like, yeah. they, don't, they, don't, like they don't give a shit. It's like, oh, really, they died. But at least we stopped the bomb from New York because New York's not – I don't know. It, it just it just burns my ass thinking about it. And I finally, like, like Gerard was saying, that panel where Spider-Side shows his, his, his uh, Mr. Fantastic water powers, it's so – I mean, I, who cares? It's, it's science, but – like, seriously, like, I can't believe the Jackal even, like, gave him these abilities. Like, what did he think that, like, I, I guess he was, like, singing the ATBC spider went out the water spout or whatever and decided to put that in the in the, in the the science because... It's magic. We don't have to explain it. <laughs> you had, you know what happened? Jason's not here, so you have to be the one to make the snarky BND joke, don't you? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm the host, yeah. damn it. I can do whatever the hell I want. We also haven't mentioned, like, Peter acting like a, like a mind-wiped little, like, nonsensical bitch in the last panel like I have nothing to live for besides my supermodel wife and my impending child so I'll join this douchebag jackal yeah well it didn't fit the it didn't fit the story I, I, I give it I give it a D this is annoying a D okay so a C plus and a D um I'm gonna Walter give it an F uh I'm gonna give this, oh, I'm gonna I, give I, this. I didn't give it an F cause that's too good of a grade Oh, you give it a G? No, I give, give it a, G. I give it an X. It should be X-rated. For, no one has any brain should read this book. <laughs> so an wow. X. So what do you? What does that say about us, really? <laughs> right. Rated X for fail. Uh, yeah, um, I'm gonna give this a straight. Uh, I'm gonna give this a B because I felt like it was a good setup issue. Um, it just as on its own, it was a good setup issue. The artwork was pretty well done throughout. Has one of my favorite uh, panels of of the Scarlet Spider flipping around. In fact, on the cross space, that's my avatar, <laughs> and has been for years. Um, I loved that. I loved the uh, the splash page with Peter. Um, so I think the artwork was pretty pretty good um, and pretty good throughout the entire thing. Uh, the only thing I did have a quibble was why does Kane have a mouth? And then, you know, it really does depend on artists because it, 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 it's both ways throughout the entire thing. I know. Exactly. Um, well, considering the fact that, uh, spoiler alert, Kane only makes two appearances after this after the story. Um, throughout not counting the, from that. Yeah, not counting the, the latest appearance. Uh, the latest set of appearances, I should say. Yeah, I, I'm not going to gripe about it too much. The um, quibble I have was the new warriors because they were kind of just they really were just stuck in here just cause. Uh, I kind of feel bad for for Defalco and friends when they have or Defalco and friends. Wow, Defalco and Dezango. Um, because. They had to stick that in there. That's an editorial mandate, you know. It wasn't like, hey, that makes sense. Yeah. So we've got just a few pages here. What should we do? Oh, let's throw some new warriors in there. Why? Who cares? This seems like a good idea. <laughs> are you are you reading that from an actual recorded dialogue, Walter? Because I wouldn't no. be surprised if you were. No, no, it's actually not. It's just, it's just hey, new warriors. Um, <laughs> Okay, now that I've given my, my two cents, let's move on to, to Chapter 2, which is Web of Spider-Man number 127. I have the rundown of the uh, spectacular... I see, as soon as I start, I start saying spectacular spot. No. Okay, Gerard is going to give us the rundown of Web of Spider-Man number 127. Well, thank you, Zach. Um, this is Maximum <laughs> Part 2, The Last Temptation of Peter Parker. 
This one's written by Todd Vivego, penciled by Stephen Butler, inked by Randy Emberlin, and colored by Kevin Tinsley. Um, we start off with the SWAT team heading up to the Spire, the Empire State Building, to stop the Jackal, because he's up there with Spider-Man. <laughs> While across the street, the Punisher is lining up just one hell of a kill shot on, on the, the Jackal and making really weird jokes about uh, I don't even know. And Spider-Man kind of gets in his way, so he can't really fire. This, this, meanwhile, the SWAT team's closing in, and they get up to the roof or to the you know observation deck that's tallest, that's nearest to where the spider is, and they start you know calling up there. Spidey grabs the jackal, jumps off the roof to allow them to make their escape. Meanwhile, Aunt Anna and Mary Jane are up in Aunt May's house or former house because Aunt May, <clears throat> the actress, is dead, and they have a short <laughs> conversation about Mary Jane's marriage and how their baby is upcoming and stuff. Really a token appearance, but anyway, uh, back to back to the real action. Spider-Man and the Jackal land safely, but they find the Punisher's already down there somehow. He can somehow head downstairs from the building across the street faster than they can plummet, apparently. And he starts opening fire immediately on them, disregarding all the civilians that are in everything. <laughs> uh, Spider-Man has to kind of start going saving a couple of those people, wondering, wait, doesn't the, isn't the Punisher's thing that still hurt? But apparently, not today. So anyway, the Punisher then you know, gathers himself, lines up a shot on Spider-Man this time instead of the Jack, and goes to fire. But the Jackal jumps in front, takes the bullet, and goes down. And angered, Spider-Man lashes out, knocks out Frank, or you know, sort of knocks him down. I don't really know. And then leaves him for the cops, grabs him, and carrying him off to his lab. But of course, being the Punisher, he uses some sort of like smoke to distract the cops and then goes and jumps into a manhole to escape. Kane arrives at the lab, the Jackal's lab, which is, seems to be some sort of abandoned factory or something, and he has another vision of, of Mary Jane's death. And this time he sees the killer and yells angstily towards the guy. Uh, Spider-Man arrives at the lab with the Jackal, while at the same time the Punisher is in the, sub, is in the stewards, making an elaborate gambit to force the SWAT team to stop following him, where he grabs electrical lines and is threatening to drop them into the water and fry the hell out of all of them, which, again, really doesn't seem like the Punisher, does it? Uh, Spider-Man puts the Jackal into a rejuvenation pod, and the Jackal is sort of smiling and gloating over the small victory that he has. And that is the end of what was Spider-Man number 127. Thank God. <laughs> By the way, I, I kept making fun of the fact that the Punisher was acting really out of character, but I, I, sh I was being extraordinarily snarky. I think this was at a point, I really vaguely remember this, but I think around this time the, the Punisher's mind was wiped or something like that in the comics, and so he was acting a little out of character and stuff like that. Yeah, didn't, didn't he, didn't he like, shoot a jaywalker or something, and that was like supposed to be like not him, him not of his own volition? Yeah, I, I really don't remember though. This is this is a stretch. It's not really explicitly explained. In fact, they actually make a. I think they make a reference to something that hasn't even happened yet. If I'm not mistaken, they they, they sort of go, "Oh, well, if you want to know why Frank is like this, check this issue out that hasn't come out yet." It's like what? <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Okay, um, we'll start with you, Drew. What are your thoughts on this? Okay, if I turn my page backwards. Um, this issue sucked. 
<laughs> Not a good start for uh, Todd Dezango. This issue sucked. You know, Todd Dezango, can, can we like have a diversion and just talk about him for a minute? Sure. His fingerprints are all over this for some reason. He, he, write, he scripted it all for the first three parts of this story. Yeah, I mean, did. I mean, he did the first one over. Oh wait, wait, wait! I take that back. Not the first three parts because no, no, he's DeFalco plotted the first part and he scripted it. Then he just wrote this issue by himself, and then the next issue he scripts over a plot by uh, J.M. DeMatteis. So yeah, yeah, he scripted the first three issues of this. What the heck? I mean, whoa. this is not good work by him. Let me let me just put it to you that way. Um, the Punisher's dialogue at the beginning. Where, where they show that splash page of him lining up the shot. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this to you exactly. Oh, okay. No. Are, so, you, are you are you gonna do it like in like in a, a gravelly voice? I, I can't, I can't do impressions. My, I have, to, I, dude, I have a very nasal, recognized, nerdy voice already. I well, here, here, let me, let me, let me do that for you then. All right, because, you, you you do that one for me. Let me get to the page. All right, <clears throat> gentlemen. Jackal season is now officially open. Pow. He's dead, Jim. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> what? I, I he's dead, Jim is a is a Star Trek thing, right? Yeah, what, yeah, yeah. What does that have to, why is the Punisher saying that? When when is the Punisher making Star Trek jokes? What <laughs> that season now officially open. Pow. He's dead, Jim. I mean, that's like three completely like on disconnected nonsense. Yeah, that's yeah. three different quotes. Yeah, that's well, together. I don't get it. Well, you didn't know that Punisher was a big Star Trek fan. He named all his guns after Star Trek characters. So he said, "He's dead, Jim." He was talking to his gun. Also, now that I look at it, that splash page is all wrong. I mean, first of all, his arm—what the hell's wrong with his bicep on his right arm? It's like an inch long. It, it, he seems to only have possess an elbow, but no actual shoulder joint. And then you see where he's aiming the gun. He's like aiming it like three blocks to the right and about I don't know twenty feet too high to actually <laughs> get anybody from where he's. He's like aiming off camera right, but the building is like right there. He's, he's I don't know. But um, the actual issue itself, as far as the writing goes, the the plot is relatively contained. I guess that's the only real pro I can give. I mean, outside of that brief Mary Jane on Anna thing that was pretty pointless, it's pretty much just a tunnel vision plot where you just basically get the main action, that's it. Which is kind of a good thing. I mean, there's no none of that really BS sidetrack stories that we tend to get a lot. There's no new warriors or anything stupid like that. But, oh man, between the, the Punisher just acting bat poop insane and, you know, Spider-Man helping the Jackal for some reason, I... I they really didn't do a good job explaining why. And then, you know, they use 22 pages. They don't really do a good job with, like, page economy. I mean, you get 22 pages to tell a story, but this this doesn't feel like a 22-page story. This almost feels like a backup story that was spread out too far. That's going to be a complaint I think we're going to have about most of this, because it's six parts, and it's at least two parts too long. But this is probably one of the parts that had the most padding in it, I think. So uh, grade-wise, it's about a D minus. I can't give it an F because, you know, at times the art looks okay. 
I, I guess, outside of his really terrible version of the Punisher. Okay. Donovan, what's your thoughts? Okay. First and foremost, I I, I I will never shut up about this. The Jackal is the most annoying bitch on the planet. I know he's trying to be funny and sarcastic and a rip off of the Joker, but it's like I don't know. Like, like what were they thinking with this guy? Like when he, when he's in that splash page where he and Spider Man are jumping off the building, and he's like posing. Ah, bah, 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 bah. I can see my house from here, and it's like that's so annoying. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. And the scene where um, Mary Jane and Aunt Anna are... Um, He's crazy. Yeah. When they're at uh, Aunt May's, the, the late Aunt May's house, you have that panel where, like, Mary Jane's questioning their marriage, and Aunt Anna's like, Peter loves you with all his heart. He's the man you love. He's the man you married. You have such a wonderful life ahead of you, and you shouldn't let anything get in your way. And then you see, like, a spider where she's dusting... And I'm like, symbolism! Because that didn't hit you over the head hard enough. <laughs> oh, speaking of symbolism, like the next page you have a ripoff of Amazing Fantasy 15 with Spider-Man and the Jackal, which just disgusts me to know. The entire, like, the Jackal of this entire, Jackal ruins this issue for me because I know he's, I know it was a plot and a, and a plan to, like, uh, get Peter on his side. But him, like, taking a bullet for Spider-Man and faking sick and Spider-Man being all weepy-eyed and sad when he's like, that made me sick. I was like, this is the stupidest thing I've seen in my life, like, this week. Hey, hey, ratchet it down. (laughs) Am I too loud? Oh, I'm talking about the the language. Oh, whoops. Did y'all mention the Black Mary Jane? The Black Mary Jane? No. Yeah, on page 18, she's she's black. Wait (laughs) a minute, I just, really? No, oh, no joke. In Kane's like, in Kane's flashback or Kane's vision of her dying for no reason, she's colored African American. Let me see this. Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> I read that and I was like, huh? I wonder who you that know, is. I think I missed it at first because I thought they were doing some coloring trick because you know how like the flashbacks are supposed to be like amber colored or something, but no, they didn't. She's just black. <laughs> literally like, like like colored like 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 chocolate brown and i'm like is this is this like the deadly vision case been having all this time a, a race change for mary jane watson <laughs> i know i know it was a mistake but it was, it was dumb nonetheless. it's like that issue of the lowest lane comic <laughs> i am curious black i am curious black yeah. oh god <laughs> this is what the clone saga has brought us to so yeah i i hated this i guess it's a d minus d minus okay uh, Walter, what are your th- <laughs> do you have any thoughts on this issue? I'd rather have both my hands chopped off than ever pick up this book. Ouch. What? That's really extreme. <laughs> I mean, Punisher it was going through a whack-doodle time there for some unknown reason. Someone thought it was a good idea. Extreme! The alcohol ran freely through the Marvel offices during that time. <laughs> 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 uh, they had to because when you have the marketing department controlling every move you make, I mean that's the only way you can get through it. Because they're geniuses, remember? Geniuses. Amazing Sp- Spider-Man has been brought to you by Hagelmeister. <laughs> buy, buy two bottles so you, so you can enjoy reading this comic because you need something to throw up on. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I give this I give this a letter grade of a Y. Why was it written? Why? Why was it written? <laughs> All right. All right, so we have an X and a Y. Um, we have 
a D minus and a D minus. Uh, we have a C and a D minus, right, Gerard? Uh, oh, you mean for the clonage? Uh, I gave it a C plus. Don C. gave it a, a D, and you gave it a B. Okay. Okay. My, I guess it's my turn. I, for this. Uh, I, I expect a lot of D's and F's by the time we get to the end there. <laughs> I, I am expecting a lot of D's and F's, so it's going to be really confusing. Luckily, Gerard's keeping it nice running tally. <laughs> if I hosting the call, I would have dropped you for that B. Oh, whatever. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you guys practically ran me out of town when I gave that last issue of B. Was it a B plus I gave? The yeah, you gave it a B plus, and, you, and you're like... And everybody's giving you crap. Um, my number one here's here's number one. Um, you talk about varying from artist to artist. Kane, I've got that page with the Black Mary Jane pulled up, <laughs> and, and he's wearing a mask again. And you can see, clearly see by his mouth he's wearing a mask. You know, it's not. <laughs> so somebody needs to kind of get with Ron Lim and be like, hey, uh, you actually don't see his mouth. You don't need to see teeth. We just need to see it with a mask. It's a mask, kind of like you know Peter Parker has a mask on. So anyway, that's 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 one pro or one con. I like the artwork throughout this issue. It's very Bagley esque, which was kind of a, a hallmark of of Butler's run. Um, considering the fact that Butler would last a whopping two more issues, uh, I thought this was kind of was starting to hit his stride a little bit. Uh, I thought the artwork was pretty good. What the heck happened to you, Zach? I, I, no, I, I liked it. I, I liked it. He's cool. <laughs> no, I, I like the art. This was this was one of my first. You know, I like his Spider-Man. His Spider-Man's really very. Uh, I love his Spider-Man. I, I don't know, man. Stephen Butler. You know, I, I used to think more fondly of him than when I went back and actually started reading it for this podcast. Because yeah. to me, he seen, he's really hit or miss. Like he he probably draws. The best Scarlet. I think his Scarlet Spider might be the definitive one. Like if I if I dare say so. Okay. Like when I think when I think Scarlet Spider, I, I think I see Stephen Butler's artwork for some reason. Well, there's two guys Spider-Man, I see. I, I see I see his in, in Bagley's. Well, well Bagley's Bagley's. So. Yeah. <laughs> Another classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I like I like his Spider Man. I like his Scarlet Spider. I like his costume characters. I don't really like his human character so much. Yeah, if we're talking about artwork, I think that he excels at Spider-Man and Spider because aside from the musculature and the body language and the actual aside from the faces, he does this very well. When you see scenes like Mary Jane and Anna Watson, see, Mary like Jane Mary, is freaky. I like his Mary Jane. I've always she's interesting, but she's, she looks kind of like, she looks a little inhuman in my opinion, but I feel like her yeah. cool. He, he tends to get all over the place drawing faces, I think. I think that's, the, that's really the only problem I have with him as an artist. I mean, I, I think he's pretty good, but, I mean, you, you can't draw masked characters all the time. And you know how I was talking about how Lim draws the eyes at, at, the, at levels that, that tend to be a little too high? He just draws it all over the place. Like, one minute their eyes will be at one level on their head, the next minute it's too high. The next yeah, minute. like I'm looking at the jackal where he gets shot, it's like in the middle of his head. It, it, it that's the only problem I have with Butler. And from quarter angles and stuff, it's actually a little wacky. Yeah, like there's, there's a three quarter shot of Mary Jane in that in that scene where she's talking with Anna. That just looks that looks like an alien, like like Dom was saying, just inhuman, freaky looking. Uh-huh. Hey, producing the book at that schedule they were probably doing back then, I think he did a pretty good job. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. <clears throat> now, like I say, the 
but I thought the artwork was pretty was pretty good. That's just me. But the uh, <laughs> the scripting in this book, uh, look, I, you can kind of tell this was his first run as as a full. I mean, he had been he had been plotting for a while, but he hadn't been scripting for very long. And you can kind of tell he's not he's very weak on the scripting, and I think the scripting is very weak. This is Desario again. Yeah, Desango. I think that I think that Todd Desango is a good art, a good writer. I think that um, his run on Sensational, which we'll get to way down the line, was solid. I don't think that he's a bad I, I writer. I think I think he got better once. But again, this is his first outing as a writer, so you, I, I I tend to cut him a little more slack I, at this way than I than I would Kavanaugh because you know he's still he's a guy that's worked his way to the point where he's a staff writer. You know, he's still learning the ropes. He's very green. I I, I view this issue as a very green issue simply because I, it should have been handled by somebody else. Um, especially when you're this is kind of the you're still in the rising motion of the story. You haven't. You're not going to reach the client. Uh, you know. You're still. You're still building, and it just didn't do well to build off the previous issue. So I'm going to give this a D. After giving the last issue a B, I'm going to give this a D. The artwork saves it from an F. <laughs> no, I am not the Brad Douglas of Clone Saga Green. I've been pretty hard on these <laughs> issues. Thank you. My name is not. My name is not Brad Douglas. Oh, I like this issue. What? Why? <laughs> I just like it because it's Spider-Man. I love you, Brad. <laughs> Congratulations on your child, Brad. Yeah. By the way, we yeah. do offer the day we're recording this is uh, literally 24 hours after. He didn't give birth, but his wife did. <laughs> his wife gave birth to her, his new daughter, Ava Marie Douglas. So we want to give him a shout out and tell him congratulations. So, um, congrats, Brad. The kids already got more hair than you do. <laughs> yeah, she was born with a full head of hair. Something she got from her mother, not her father. Uh, she does. She does look like him, though. I think. I I I can't tell. A baby looks like a baby to me. I don't know. All right. Thank you. Yeah, I do. <laughs> anyway, so we're going to move on to part three, which is Donovan Morgan Grant's turn to give the rundown. So part three is uh, adjectiveless? Uh, amazing. Oh, I'm sorry. Part three is amazing. Duh, with that epic cover that we use for our, as the as the, like the main part of our podcast. That's a great cover. But uh, part three of Maximum Clonage. Oh. oh, believe me, I will get onto the cover um, after the rundown. The Amazing Spider-Man number four hundred three in the name of the Father. So uh, holy cool. This is four hundred four. Oh, four hundred four. Oh, four hundred four. Amazing Spider-Man four hundred four. Yeah, and then the yeah, I was about to break down the whole prayer being whole, being the Catholic and everything, but I didn't. Uh, that that is the title, The Name of the Father, written by JMD. Uh, no, I'm sorry, plot by JMD. Todd Zago comes back again to for to uh, script it and penciled by the beautiful Ashley. Oh God, the the beautiful one. <laughs> um, you know, I'm gonna have some. I'm gonna have some thoughts because that I never really noticed who was writing. I always assumed it was the the guys that were writing the titles at the time. But mm-hmm. it didn't really click with me that Zango's got his handiwork all over these three issues. And then who writes the guy that writes the final chapter? It makes so much sense why this was so full of fail. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like, hey, here, take it, take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. Yeah, basically. 
So um, we start off with a splash page of Peter, you know, taking a cue from Ben back at the beginning of the clone saga saying, I'm not a man, I'm a clone, a biology experiment created in the lab with science. So he's basically mourning o- over the, he's kind of really, really starting to grieve over the fact that he's a clone. Scar Spider, a.k.a. Ben Riley, comes in and tries to help him out since Ben spit last several years of his life thinking he was a clone, saying, I know you feel, man. Let's, let's go through this together. This <laughs> Peter's not the guy that we talked to lately, and every time someone tries to calm him down, they get punched in the face. That's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what happens. There's a quasi-splash page with uh, Peter. What did you have? What did you ever have to lose? Knocking uh, both of them have their masks off at this point. So Spider-Man knocks out Scarlet Spider, and Ben doesn't really fight back. He tries to help him. He tries to he tries to talk him down, but Peter just keeps on punching the guy. And as he starts walking away, saying, "Don't kid yourself, Ben. We are universes apart, or uh, we are a universe apart." Ben gets jumped upon, jumped on by Spider Side in another splash page. So Ben's not having a good time of it. Spider Side uses his annoying. Ben inside. Riley's having a really bad day. <laughs> As the trailer starts, <laughs> right? Ben Riley has a really bad day. <laughs> but uh, as as he as he takes on, as Spider Side attacks him with his with his wonky science water powers, we cut to Kane walking towards the regeneration chamber that that uh, Jackal was in from the last issue, saying, "Why did you ruin Peter's life? He had everything, everything, and you ruined it." Um. I have a question real quick. When did Kane learn that Peter learned that he was a clone? Did I, did I miss that? Science! <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was hoping that wasn't the answer, but science wins again. Um, he confronts Jackal. Jackal kind of fights him off and says, I wasn't waiting to do this for a long time, implying that he's going to kill him. But then he says, actually, you, let me let me help you with your uh, clone generation. And then he just runs off, follow me! <laughs> he comes back to fight between Ben and Spider-Side. Spider Side shows that he can like not only turn into water but freeze himself and then turn into a giant, it, it would appear. But then Jackal and Spider Man join the fray and we have a Kane, Spider Side, Peter and Ben, the clones and non clones, and Jackals. As Jackal says, This is wonderful, wonderful. All my boys together, Robbie, Chip, Ernie, and I supposed to have to be Uncle Charlie. I don't follow. <laughs> um Scarlet is really the only one who's... Oh, before I say that, uh, Jekyll takes an injection of Peter's blood for um, reasons I hope will, <laughs> I hope will be explained, uh, but maybe not. While Scarlet Spire is actually the only sane person in the room, so he knocks Jekyll flat and actually starts to beat the crap out of him. I have in my notes, go, Ben, go. But Peter tar- takes him by a chokehold and says, don't do it. Th- th- you-, you have your identity back. Leave us alone. Uh, you don't belong here. And Kane is exactly the same way as, as Peter holds Ben and Kane starts wailing on Ben. Spider Side walks down the science hallway and runs to Scryer and says he's a, a more mystery than man. And while he cannot recall a previous meeting, somehow Spider Side knows and comprehends his grandeur. I have a question. When did Sp- Sp- Spider Side meet Scryer before? Um, I would assume with science. Spider Side pokes his he- pokes him in the head and. Spider-Side says, I know everything now. It's all so clear. While we come back to Spider-Man and Kane holding Scarlet Spider, and Jekyll says that he's that he will... He's, he's pontificating his, his plan to replace the entire world with clones, which doesn't make any sense. But then he points to Kane saying, kill him, let's kill him. Kane's like, I thought you said you were going to help me. And Je- Jekyll's like, nah, man, nah. So, so he... Um, at some point, I think 
Scarlet was drugged. Yeah, he, he was drugged by it whenever Jackal clawed at him. So he starts going all woozy. Spider-Side takes care of Spider, throws him in a room, and sacre bleu, there's an entire room full of hundreds of clones Spider-Man. As we cut out, and that was the end of part three. Tune in for part four. Why? <laughs> <laughs> the army of clones. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is where it ramps up to an eleven. <sighs> no, I like this better when it was handled in the real clone saga because it was only like twenty two pages. <laughs> right. I think Walter uh, Walter is doing like the first page of this issue is Walter that, that big face ball. <laughs> Some stories are just better. Just say here's an issue. We're done. Anyway, um, okay, we'll start with Walter because he's the one. <laughs> Wait, he's a happy guy. He's so happy. Hey. He's wrapped up to an eleven. <laughs> just, this brings out the maximum, in maximum clonage. Yeah, hey. Maximum suckage. Suckage, yes. Maximum suckage. <laughs> suckage. Is like maximum, maximum bonage. Yeah, bonage. <laughs> There's another S word I want to use, but I can't since it's a fan show. Are we even going to be able to say bonage on this episode? No, if, if he bleeps out bonage, I'm going to slap him. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he bleeps out I'm going to slap him. <laughs> well, this, this story is so full of that I can't I'm even been talking about it. Figure that one out. <laughs> I give it. A, uh, I'll give it this. No, there actually was a few parts of that I kind of liked, so I actually going to give this a a good grade for me. Enough. Enough. <laughs> <laughs> totally cold. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, for fondue. Fun too, yeah. Um, Gerard, what's your thoughts? Oh man, well, uh, I only have two things listed under pros, so I'm just gonna read read off directly. I'm I'm going to read you word for word what my notes say right here. Pros: Bagley, enough said. Number two: Unintentionally hilarious glare, then punch a few times. (laughs) (laughs) Because yeah, in this. I should explain that second one. In this issue, there's a couple of, I think it happens two or three times where somebody's saying something, right? Then they show a close up of somebody pausing, and then wham, they just get punched in the face. I mean, Peter does it once, and I think later on, Ben does it where, like, somebody's saying something to him, and they show a close up of his mask, and the next panel, blam, he punches somebody. It, it just got funny just seeing that over and over again. <laughs> Especially since Bag- Bagley is so good, because the way he draws the punches are just so damn dynamic. It's just really entertaining to look at. Um, and really, the Bagley art is really the only thing in this issue that's really worth worth the damn. I mean, Bagley at this point, again, I've said, I, I, just, I, I constantly keep hammering on this episode after episode. He's the man. But he is so good in this in this period. Like I like that this is his best work. It's better than anything he did on Thunderbolts or New Warriors or Ultimate Spider Man or any of the nonsense he's done at DC. I, I, yeah, I went there. Well, well, well that art work that artwork is good too. It's just that like I think I, I agree with that. This is way more dynamic. This is the best. This is the best he was. This is like the height of his career in my opinion. Um, and I should point out that cover. 
if that's not the best cover from the Clone Saga, it's in the top three. That that cover is so good. That that is probably my favorite one, at least of the ones we've done so far. I'm trying. I I can't recall all of them going forward because I haven't seen them in a while. But this one, this cover is probably my favorite. Um, as far as cons, oh my god, here here we go with some more of that. I'm not a man. Were we complaining about this like I don't know? Eight months ago, yeah, I think we were, I think we were complaining about this that your first episode on, which was episode two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And here we go. <laughs> As a listener, I, I explicitly remember that. <laughs> oh man, and the plot, the plot itself is just a bunch of nonsense. Like, forget about. I mean, I understand that the you know. I'm not gonna lie. This is really probably when JM or Jamie JMD Mateus was like, "I'm phoning this in." You know, it's it's funny you say because I mean, the fact that he doesn't script is kind of tells you that he probably half asses. this. And I, I I'm trying to recall when he left the book, but it wasn't too long after this, right? Yeah, he, he left after Time Bomb, I think. He left, I think, right. Or, well, he left in Time Bomb. Uh, was the last issue he wrote because they decided instead of doing the Ben Riley as Spider Man, they delayed it two months. And this is at the point where he was really just he was done with yeah. with the, with because it was what happened was he left because he was promised that after Grace responsible after Maximum Clonage and after Grace and then uh, then again after Grace responsible or Time Bomb. No, he was promised after Maximum Clones that he was going to get to write Ben as Spider-Man because that's what he really wanted to do. And then um, after they reneged on that and said, okay, we're going to do the Scarlet Spider books like we did – like because it worked so well from Age of Apocalypse, we're going to do it for uh, Scarlet Spider. Once that happened, that's why he left. Yeah. But either way, this is like what are these? Maybe maybe two or three issues left after this. Uh, yeah, I think he's got time bomb, and that's it. Yeah, he, he, this is really this is a phoned-in plot. I mean, the, the scripting is pretty poor, but that that's something that's not really surprising. But I'm really surprised by how lame this plot is. It all it all basically takes place in the same spot. I don't think I think it's just a straight linear story again, and then all the the clones show up at the end. And it, it, yeah, it's uh, very phoned in. <laughs> But, but the thing that's probably most offensive about this issue <laughs> is they make Peter look so bad in an attempt to, like, prop up Ben that it's it's really off-putting. Like, yeah, it's I, very I, ridiculous. I understand that, you know, they have to set up Ben as Spider-Man, and therefore they have to, you know, convince the audience somewhat that, you know, you, this is the guy you want to root for. But they trash Peter so badly in this arc. I mean... This issue in particular, but the arc as a whole, he just get. I mean, I haven't seen the characterization of Peter this bad since, you know, Joe Quesada wrote him. Yeah, yeah, uh, I went there, but um, this is really terrible. I, I, but and this issue would have gotten an F or D minus if it was drawn by anybody else but Bagley. But because it's Bagley and because it's so good, I'm giving this a C minus. Oh, wow. That, that is really generous. That's really generous for four. That, that is extremely generous. I mean, wow. Bagley um, <laughs> okay, owes Gerard ten dollars. Uh, that owes me nothing. If he drew twenty-two pages 
of a of a of a story of a dude just sitting on the can taking a monster dump, I would buy it. Yeah, Bagley is that? Well, good. I would frame it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got somebody's artwork. I'm trying. I'm getting framed. Uh, yeah, wonder who. I wonder who that guy is. Um, You're welcome. Don, have you given your <laughs> what? I have not. Uh, give your uh, give your thoughts. Okay, I really have to address this cover. Um, I don't know if we can, if if we can't say this, then this will be edited out. But uh, I mentioned to Gerard before we started recording that uh, there was an internet comic book reviewer named Linkara who went over this entire well, all the issues that we're going over, and because he, he reviews comics, and he went over this issue and in, in that in his uh, Clone Wars episode. And he went and landed over the cover and how it was a bad cover because it was just two guys fighting. First of all, critiquing a cover is so totally, like, dependent on your own um, art taste that it's not really worth the time. Second of all, it's Mark Bagley, so it's A-plus 100% awesome art. Third of all, <laughs> this cover, yeah, it's simple, but... It gets right. It's something that actually happens in the book. Yeah, they don't have their masks on, but yeah, they do actually fight in the book. I am so sick and tired of these poster covers that we had going on in Marvel, where it was like, oh, you don't have, you have no flipping clue what happens in the book. But hey, had as if like it doesn't still happen. I mean, happens. It doesn't happen as bad as it used to. At least kidding. It's worse now than it ever was. Are you on drugs? The last five years has probably been almost entirely covers like that. Uh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that, but it is it is worse. Well, my my, my thing is maybe that it's because I've, I've gotten I've gotten so used to it. Probably, I think you're desensitized. That's I've I've been so desensitized, but right. like, but this is, you know, yeah, it's a poster cover, but at the same time, it's a poster cover done well because it actually reflects the contents of the issue. It's not exactly. just a, it's not a poster cover just for the sake of a poster cover. Yeah. Like, I, I, when I heard him say like, "Oh, this is a bad cover because it's just two dudes fighting," I was like, "You're really, you're really killing your credi- credibility as a comic book reviewer." Because, okay, I'm biased because Mark Bagley is my favorite Spider-Man artist, as well as you know many of you. But this is such an awesome cover. And and, <laughs> and, is, and the fact that it, it takes place in a month where you have that gimmicky hologram cover. Oh yeah, you have two the two Omega. different. Types and, and, of covers that are that are completely gimmicky. You've got the first uh, on a, on uh, Alpha. You've got all the little Spider-Man running around. It, it, like basically, they took the Spider-Man image and then Photoshop like like cloned all the Photoshop. So you got all the clones. You flip open the page and you've got Ken and uh, Kane, Ken, <laughs> Ken, <laughs> Ben and Kane, uh, kind of flashing into the coming into the shot. Um, so you've got that, and then you've got the f- chromo foil gram cover of Omega, which, by the way, is one of the ugliest covers I've ever seen. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna take a, a cover and then do all this foil chrome nonsense, at least take a good piece of artwork first. They took a oh. piece of artwork and then put a bunch of chrome stuff behind it too. Oh man, like this Bagley cover would have looked good if they had done that effect to this, but they didn't. No. So in a month, in a month where you have those two covers, to say that this cover is poor is just a joke. Yeah, I think one of the triple gatefold cover. I don't have the book in front of me right now. But the Omega one. Yeah. No, well, I don't think it, no, no, because uh, I'll get into it later. But I had that, and it was just like the front and back, I believe. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so it was awful. Awful. Um, 
Anyway, just, just like getting okay. Uh, I love I love the cover. I love the death. Getting to itself. <laughs> you guys thought that uh, Gerard's C was a C minus. Yeah. You know that was crazy. I don't. I, I thought this was the best issue of the entire batch. I really <gasps> did. Really. I, I I'm giving this a B. Wow. <laughs> This is bizarre. I wasn't expecting that. Okay, okay. The the plot is asinine, but the writing. Okay, there's a difference between the plot and like the. It can be stupid. It can be Peter, you know, trying to uh, trying to uh, work out his digestion with the seltzer for 22 pages. But if it's written well, then it's then it's a good comic. I, in my opinion, I think, and I have to disagree with Gerard saying that Peter is like at his absolute worst here because. Damn, Timoteus kind of writes him as someone who, okay, he's being irrational, he's being angry, he's being upset, he's reading, okay, maybe he's even out of character. But I thought it was a lot more in character for him to lash out at Ben, even though Ben's like, you know, trying to talk him down. I thought Peter, you see why he's upset, because after all he's gone through, it's it's different than the last issue where he's like, oh, okay, let me go after the Jekyll because the Jekyll's... The Jekyll is my friend, and I'm sad that he shot. Like that was, I thought that was pathetic. But him being written in this one, I thought was fine. I mean, it wasn't great because you know he's kind of like the bad guy here. But I, I wasn't ups, I wasn't outraged by how it was done. So I like that. The art just um, makes my eyes glisten with happiness every single page. And <laughs> okay, Spider Size is a stupid villain, but. I don't know. I, I thought it was just. I thought it was just written better. Even the jackal, um, but he was still annoying. But the way Ben with that sort of like, like unshaved chin and everything, and the really. Oh, I, I, I got some coincidence. Like the way it was written, and like the awesome artwork, and the funny but twist, good twist ending. I, I thought this was the best, so I'll give it a B. I'll give you that. It is. It is. It was a surprising ending. I'll give you that. I don't think it's a good ending, but it's a surprising one. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So the prizing, this issue really well drawn, really poor. But in terms of execution, I I actually think this will be better. This is one of the better issues of the month. Um, and I think it, it, it's sad when a phoned in plot by Demetrius is better than half the stuff that. <laughs> Else that happened. No, I think that that, that shows credence to him as a writer. Yeah, that he can like he like, like not even try and be the best comic in the month. Yeah, or at least the best Spider-Man comic. Great cover, fantastic cover. We've we've said a lot about the cover, but um, good lord, uh, the, the the did they really have to do this? <laughs> <laughs> um, and it just gets worse next next month. Um. This was really good artwork. I think I think you have three really good artists in these the first three parts. I think it was really well drawn in the first three parts. But uh, except for that, I, I do agree with Gerard. That Punisher thing was just makes no sense. Um, <laughs> this is where we kind of start getting more into the meat of the story. We don't have needless cameos by either the new warriors or the Punisher. So. You finally start feeling the momentum is starting to is continuing to pick up at a more rapid pace. We're starting to get to the climax, and um, this issue didn't feel like they're throwing everything in the kitchen sink at you quite as much until the end. Uh, I felt like it was gets back to the core of what the early Clone Saga was about, which was Peter, Ben, Kane, and the Jackal, 
and throw in a little God, I hate saying this, throw in a little spider side in your gut. Although my favorite part of this of this book was <laughs> Spider Side's head. Oh look. Ben escaped because he what happened was is he crystallized his, his <laughs> Sounds so stupid. He crystallizes his molecular structure to where it's like uh, like ice, and then Ben busts out of it, and then it's just you see this panel of oh look, I have a head. Oh man. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. This is the one where like the T one thousand thing happens. Right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> where they, where they rip off Terminator, Terminator two, and it <laughs> becomes liquid metal. It's awful. So, I mean, that was that was laughable. I mean, it is kind of hilarious how 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 bad this issue can be. Um, but I mean, that's that's the that's the cons. And so, anyway, I think the I think the book was. What'd you give him? Uh, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a C. I'm gonna give it a C. Apologist. <laughs> Oh, stop. <laughs> Just because you hate this story doesn't mean the rest of us can like it. Can't like it. We haven't even gotten to the good part yet. Oh, yeah. No, we have not. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we're getting there. Hope dangles on a string Like slow-spinning redemption Winding in and winding out The shine of it has caught my eye Roped me in so mesmerizing and so hypnotizing I am captivated I am vindicated Tony's gonna be like, "What the hell? Why did you bring Walter in?" Let me. Let's. Shit. Okay. I'll have Bertoni edit this out. Okay, guys, we're gonna get to the news. <laughs> wait, wait, you're not editing this one yourself. No, Bertoni's like, like on his deathbed, and he's like, oh, "I can't do the podcast." And then... <laughs> I know. Here's the episode so you can record it so you can, so you can edit it down. Well, he's going to have to work. He's going to be editing it. The, uh, he's, got, he's, he's the one that has the opening theme and the closing theme, and, and he's, we're going to be doing the segment anyway, so he's going to have to splice that in. So. He's the one that's putting the, on the blooper music as we're saying this during the bloopers. And when they exactly. It All right. So, <laughs> you're not funny, DeWalter. <laughs> Uh, don't insult him. He's recording our episode. We're screwed without him. Yeah, I, I hear a little reverb. Is somebody... Okay, it's better now. <clears throat> anyway, back to the... Uh, the, 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 the if if Walter muted, wouldn't that, like, like mute the recording? Yeah, no. Anyway, inside baseball. 